0: You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla DeNano, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 20, I am speaking with a technology entrepreneur and lawyer. This guest uses her enthusiasm for the law to promote successful black attorneys through Justice Connection. Based in College Park, Maryland, today's guest is
1: Keisha Brown.
0: Welcome to the podcast,
1: Keisha. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Of course. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. I'm Keisha Brown. I am a lawyer by trade, of course. And I went to Georgetown University Law Center in DC after spending a year as a paralegal or litigation assistant at Crevass Wayne & Moore, learning exactly what I did not want to do, right? And so shortly after graduating law school, I stayed in the area and worked in Baltimore City for the Legal Aid Bureau, leading the Baltimore City Child Support Project, where I represented mainly fathers, but non-custodial parents who owed large child support arrears mainly to the state. And it was an awesome experience that really put me in touch with an area of the law that is often overlooked that. I believe is a really important cog in the wheel of poverty when you talk about child support.
0: So did you take any kind of advocacy or civil law electives when you were at Georgetown?
1: I did take some interesting electives. I took one on legislative drafting that proved to be helpful in my career. I had no idea that I was going to go into legislative work. I sort of stumbled across it while I was at the Legal Aid Bureau. I ended up being the government relations director for a business advocacy organization. And from there, I became director of legislative affairs for the Maryland attorney general, where I was in charge of kind of orchestrating the legislative agenda for the 500 plus lawyers in the state, Um, the attorney general's legislative agenda, which included everything from energy efficiency to civil rights to criminal justice, and took another elective on national security which okay. was really aimed at sort of a post 9-11 world because 9-11 happened my first year in law school okay and so being in Georgetown right the heart of DC by my third year there was already courses sort of aligned around for that national security law that was yeah. pretty interesting mm-hmm. okay and where did you go to undergrad I went to Wellesley College, an all-women's college in Massachusetts.
0: Okay. So what was that like, going from Wellesley to Georgetown? Was there a lot of time between them?
1: Uh, just the one year at Cravath, okay. Swain and Moore. But... Um, The biggest difference was that there were men, right, at Georgetown (laughs) and not at Wellesley. But it was, you know, it was an interesting experience being at Wellesley at an all-women's college and being in an environment that was really intentional about grooming women to be leaders in the world and being in a space that encouraged you to speak your mind, to be engaged, to retain some of your innocence, even, you know, there wasn't that same pressure to be all dolled up, going to class and looking a certain way and acting a certain way or trying to impress X, Y, and Z. You're able to just sort of be yourself and connect with a variety of different types of women. And Georgetown was very corporate driven. and has a big pro bono sort of arm, but it's really corporate driven, really law firm driven. And so it was extremely competitive. Well, it was very competitive, but Georgetown was competitive in a different way, right? That was like, hey, only but so many of us get an A and it better right. be me. And I just remember one time, one of my friends and I, we were on our way to the library. It was Saturday morning. We were like, yeah, we gonna get it. We are gonna be here all day. And <laughs> on our way to the library, because we stayed in the dorm. So on our way to the library, one of our classmates was walking back from the library. And he's like, yeah, I'm on my first break. We look at each other and we're like, see, are going to get the A? We are already behind, girl. We over here thinking we doing something and he's just going on his first break and we getting started with our little snacks and everything. But um, that's part of the psyche at law school. Mm-hmm. Either people have like studied a million hours or they act like they haven't studied at all. There's like right. no in between.
0: <laughs> yeah. That made me think of your classic gunner, the person that's always the first to put their hand up, the first to answer a question. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And do you think that the hustle and bustle you felt at Georgetown was because you were in D.C.?
1: Yeah, I think it's both. Right. I think okay. that being in D.C., there's a culture right in D.C. that's very conservative. It's government led. It's and first of all, everybody their Mama's a lawyer in D.C. You can't go to the corner without running into a whole bunch of lawyers. So there's an environment, right, that's sort of like really conducive to this whole, like, I'm a lawyer, I'm in my suit, I'm banking, whatever have you. And probably if we were in a more suburban or outside of a city center or outside of right next to, in between a whole bunch of different law firms, there might have been more room to breathe. Yeah. Um, But at Georgetown, you know, it's all of the quote unquote top achievers and everybody's not going to be at the top right? And that was actually okay for me. Interestingly enough, when I started law school, I sort of made a decision to myself. I was like, "Mm, do you want to do what it takes to be at the top 10%? No, you do not. (laughs) So we're not aiming to be at the top 10%. And it sort of took some stress off of me, right? Like there's, at the end of the day, there's no sticker on your diploma that says I graduated, you know, with this GPA or at this percentage. Now it matters if you want to go into a top law firm and that's what they're looking for, unfortunately in a really myopic way, but otherwise 90% of the class is not going to be in the top 10%.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: right? And so your mindset really matters and even I think especially being able to balance and your stress and be as sane as possible in a really unnatural environment it's not natural to you know try to cram in all that information and synthesize the law and pick it up at rapid speed it's not natural right so it can be really stressful and overwhelming and so I think your mindset really plays a part in how you come out of it
0: yeah it's definitely not natural for me one of the craziest things about law school was the guilt right? You would feel guilt mm. if you weren't studying. Mm-hmm. You would feel guilt if you were studying too much. you feel guilt if you were sharing notes. Mm-hmm. Like, you read three cases, I'll read three, and we'll cover each other. No one totally. had kind of prepped me for that. That part was hard for me.
1: Yeah, no, that's so true. That's just a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is just like peer pressure, you know? Georgetown is one of the few law schools that has a dorm big minus is that you never leave the environment you don't get a break mm. right you don't get to go home and like just watch tv and not feel the pressure of somebody knocking on your door walking by like you in there watching tv Uh huh. i'm on my way to my study group and you're like shit let me <laughs> turn this off and you know it's it's, yeah. it's you don't get the clear air um, when you're on campus 24 7. yeah
0: that's a real good not point.
1: a recommendation mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So you mentioned being a paralegal at Caraf. What drew you into that?
1: Uh, I would say probably the competitive nature of Wellesley. Back then, everybody was like getting, quote unquote, good jobs upon graduation. Like mm-hmm. that was just a thing. So it was sort of like, how many offer letters do you have? Right? And then you'd be like, oh yeah, i got some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was sort of like, okay, you want to go to, I always heard from my family, like, oh, you make a great lawyer, you make a great lawyer, you should go to law school. And I honestly didn't want to just go to law school because that was the, my experience growing up, that everybody sort of told me I should or, you know, and it just got into my head. I wanted it to be something that I actually wanted to pursue. And so I mm-hmm. felt like working at a firm, right, would give me sort of that experience around um, what it was like being a lawyer, so that's what drew me, and I'm originally from New York, East Elmhurst. Shout out to Queens. <laughs> so it was good to go back to the area, have the experience of living in New York as like a twenty-something.
0: So I'm loving this story. I'm I'm piecing it together in my head. Okay, from New York, <laughs> went to Massachusetts, go back to New York for work, and you wanted to see what Big Law was like. Is that what drew you into? practicing civil rights and advocacy? You wanted to get away from it after that experience or?
1: (laughs) So I'll back up even. So like New York, then Georgia, then Massachusetts, (laughs) then New York, and then DC. So that's, that's uh, the, the train. Cravath was just an anomaly. Like Mm -hmm. it was just an experience. It paid well back then. It was like, 30000 I think, to be a yeah. litigation assistant at Cravath, which was like, oh, we're falling. <laughs> um, working my butt off. I remember mm-hmm. the most I clocked in for Cravath was 96 hours one week. Wow. Um, so it was a hard grind as well. But my love for civil rights is just why I'm on this planet. Like, that's just who I am. And I've always been passionate about advocating on behalf of those who don't have a voice. Look, if you used to get in trouble back in elementary school for sticking up a Tiana who was sitting next to you, then maybe you should be a lawyer. And that's part of, you know, my story. And being passionate around, like, the empowerment and the liberation of Black people. I and mean, I saw the law as an avenue to pursue that passion, right? To be able to know what the current status is. What does the law say? Be able to interpret it, understand it, use it, right? Be knowledgeable around, wield the law craft the law you can write the law Mm -hmm. and being able to write law was an amazing experience I don't really want to do it anymore because lobbying is its own world that sometimes can be really disheartening at how laws are made and the lack of thoughtfulness I think that sometimes goes into the details um, and how it really impacts everyday people you know how few of us are in tune with the development of law. You know, we elect people to sort of handle that for us. But in a true sense, we should be more engaged in that process and more informed in order to ensure that the law is written away that actually does have a positive impact on us.
0: Yeah. You created this company, Justice Connection, and I found out about it because I attended a virtual event that you had would you explain the need for a diverse, personalized experience with lawyers?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, from the minute I graduated law school, and really from starting law school, I was always approached by folks like, "Hey, do you know somebody that does family law? Do you know somebody that does criminal law? Do you know somebody that does A, B, C, D?" And going to law school, right? You know nothing but lawyers, and I would sort of go down my mental Rolodex of who I knew and always felt like it was a task, right? Mm -hmm. Of having to reach out to a bunch of folks and then I'm sending, you know, hey, try Tina, maybe she can help you. And I got Tina from somebody who got it from somebody who got it from somebody. And I felt like one, we as black lawyers were leaving money on the table by not having a concerted network that connected us. Yeah. And two, we were knowingly leaving our communities most vulnerable, right? In a legal system that we know historically and continually oppresses us, quite frankly and how the birth of the Black lawyer was really around protecting our community and being that, that knowledgeable line of defense, right? Mm-hmm. When Thurgood Marshall graduated law school, he came out and was like, Black people, I got you, right? Like, and yeah. Black people were like, you're our go-to. And there was this trust and understanding in this connection. And Black lawyers, we don't have those same connections, we don't have that same pipeline. And I look at it as like a modern day digital green book, right? Where you can go to find someone who looks like you and there's value in that, right? I think sometimes when we think about diversity or supporting Black businesses, we think about the restaurant, right? We think about the person who's producing a product. Those who are providing professional services are in the same camp, right? Because, Everybody thinks lawyers are balling, but at the same time, lawyers get paid from clients. And if they don't got no clients, they're not getting paid, (laughs) Um, you know? And regardless of, I found a lot of my initial conversations, regardless of whether Black lawyers are at large law firms or they have their own solo firm, they must hustle and they must work twice as hard to build their book of business, right? Because we don't have access to the good old boy network like our white counterparts. Yeah. And so I was like, I'll just build this network that I wish we had. And its sole focus is on enriching black lawyers, highlighting them, showing the magnificent work that black lawyers do because we do everything, right? Mm-hmm. We we do mergers and acquisitions, we do wills, we do bankruptcy, we do education, we do contracts. And so it's really just about us having a platform where we can shine. And the win-win is strengthening our community. You know, Kyla, I really think about how do Black people then get to show up every day, right? How do we get to walk outside of our door literally now knowing that we have access to legal resources if something were to hit the fan, Mm -hmm. right? And how you and I are lawyers and we know lawyers, but for the vast majority of Americans, let alone Black people, they don't have that same access. And so it's imperative for us to have legal resources at our fingertips. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Um, and that's what Justice Connection's about. Okay.
0: So it's resources, it's a little bit of networking, a little bit of referrals, it's all of that
1: together? It's primarily referrals, right? Okay. So it would be clear, this, we're exclusively promoting black lawyers, but this is for everybody to come up in and okay. get some awesome legal <laughs> you know, counsel everybody okay. and not just individuals, it's really important for lawyers to have access to the business community and the corporate community. And so one of the things that at Justice Connection, we leverage our relationships in those worlds on behalf of the lawyers in our network, right? So that lawyers in the network don't have to spend as much time coming up with a marketing plan and an online strategy for advertising. We take care of that and allow them to focus on the awesome legal work that they do. And we do that marketing on their behalf to bring in those new legal referrals. And as we're bringing in those new legal referrals, we're allowing ourselves to also educate the community because we Mm -hmm. believe that a more informed neighbor is more likely to be more proactive in the law.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So right now you're serving Maryland, DC, and Virginia. Do you have any plans to take things national?
1: Yes, we want to go worldwide. Okay, even better. (laughs) Right. Because black people, we're not a minority. Yeah. Right? We're not a minority. And so it makes sense in this day and age that if I'm doing work in Legos, that I have a Black lawyer that I can connect to, just like okay. if I'm doing work in Kansas City. And so okay. we started in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I operate out of Maryland, so this is my backyard. And if you know anything about the, the this area, if you are barred in Maryland, or better yet, if you live in Maryland, you go to D.C. and Virginia, like, almost every other day. It's just this, the whole area is very interconnected and lawyers okay. are often barred in at least at least two of the three jurisdictions. And so I wanted to start here in order to really grow deep and get it right and provide something of excellence and quality before, you know, going national and having two people in Ohio and one in Atlanta and saying, <laughs> oh, you know, girl, I got the whole country, okay. right? So we started here in DC, Maryland, Virginia, but definitely have our sights on going national and you know definitely want to hear feedback from folks who are like pick my city next why aren't you in you know nashville why aren't you in houston so we have heard some of that already which is lets us know we're on the right path
0: i love that that's awesome
1: you know you got to make money in this industry you know you got to be able to thrive and when black lawyers succeed and their businesses grow guess what they're going to do hire other black lawyers yeah that's what white lawyers do right that's yeah. how white firms have grown is mm-hmm. they become successful and they need to grow and studies have shown that one of the best ways to lower black unemployment and to drive black businesses development is for black businesses to be successful yeah. because they will hire other black people Yep,
0: yeah, this is true yeah And what we haven't even mentioned was the representation of it matters too. Just people seeing other Black people um, and other Black lawyers is important. Yeah.
1: That's right. There's so much value in hiring a Black lawyer. And one of the top reasons that I share is the cultural competency that a Black lawyer brings.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: there's so much value in that. You can't teach somebody why the police pulled you over.
0: Or the anxiety you feel when they pull up behind you, even if you're just driving. That's right. Yeah.
1: Right. There are so many things when you're being discriminated against because your hair is curly and too big. And somebody says, well, why don't you just pull it back into a ponytail or in a bun? Or why don't you straighten it? Like, right? Like, there are so many things that a a Black lawyer can relate to Mm -hmm. that has insider information around, quite frankly. And that cultural competency is something that we often don't quantify, right? That we don't recognize as an added benefit. And it is.
0: It is. I believe that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I saw on the website that there's the option to sign in if you are a lawyer and also to just say, I need a lawyer. What are the differences? Mm -hmm.
1: So one is if you need a lawyer, then we're here to connect you with one. And then if you are a lawyer, we want to have you subscribe um, and join the network. Okay. Right. So we're really excited right now. We've Been growing the database, and I have over 700 lawyers, Black lawyers, represented in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area in our database. That's something that we're really proud of, and we believe anecdotally that we probably have more in this region in our database than any other network out there. Wow. So
0: I also saw that you work with interns. Some of them are undergraduate students, and some are law students. What do you yeah. hope that they're learning from Justice Connection?
1: Great question. I hope they're learning some basic soft skills, right? And I think we sometimes undervalue the importance of getting our soft skills down before we hit the big leagues, right? And that's basics like timeliness, communication, presentation, communication. Did I mention communication? Right. <laughs> those are those are important. I have a intern who I had to speak with today and have a very frank conversation about the fact that she's not timely and she's not communicating when she can't meet her her deadlines. You know, I tell my students, first and foremost, you're in school and I respect that and, and I know that. And so I want you to always put your schoolwork first. If I give you an assignment, or you're working on a project, and it's taking longer, or you're not going to be able to send it in a time that you had previously committed to, then you need to communicate that ahead of time, yeah. right? And sometimes we take that for granted, right? That people know that. And the only reason you and I might know that is because we've had experiences, quite mm-hmm. frankly, right? Where probably somebody has explicitly told us, or we felt it on the back end, right? When something happened because we didn't do it, or we didn't meet the mark, I always want folks to leave with a work product, so I've had folks write a blog, and you know I'm patient with folks. It takes uh, some of these blog articles take like six weeks for them to be ready for it to be shared, because as you know, everybody isn't a great writer, and Mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time in law school really working on our writing. Yeah. And it's something that I think a good lawyer knows and that whatever it is that you're writing, it ain't ready when you think you're finished. Whether that's an email, a paper, an essay, a, a book, whatever, you probably need to go over it one more time. And, oh, yeah. When um, you're done, that's when
0: it's just starting. That's when the editing right. comes exactly.
1: in. exactly, yeah. exactly. And so many folks think that, you know, when they write something and they give it to you, they're, they're good to go. And you're like, this is trash. <laughs> Right. I don't say it like that to the in their face, but I'll say we've got some work to do. This is a great start. Right. Yeah. And I'll edit it every week until we get to a product that they can be proud of that I feel like is good to publish and that they can now use for other opportunities. Right. I mean, that's why I tell these folks I'm like, I don't send an email without re-look- like looking it over.
0: Mm-hmm. and you might even take a break and come back and look at it and you're like oh, okay so if I it, that. if
1: it's really important I'm gonna send it to two friends and be like can you make sure that my tone is right right like exactly depending on who it's to and what it's about you're like no, oh, I can't trust myself on this by myself I need somebody else to look at this
0: and depending on who they're going to share it with that's the thing about emails mm-hmm. and they'll send it to mm-hmm. 18 people so
1: Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that I try to guide my students around and really engage them to in dialogue and conversation, right, And, and allow them a place where they can also be able to have conversations and think about the law in a different way and how it relates to them. You know, I was speaking with one of my interns who had an experience where he was almost expelled in high school. And I started sharing with him about, you know, what if his parents had gotten a lawyer, right, and how that could have been different and how oftentimes we're in situations where we think we have to deal with it on our own or that, you know, this is just sort of the luck of the draw and how if we had access to legal resources, it could at least be something that we explore, right? Yeah. That we, we don't have to hire a lawyer and be like, all right, here's $5,000, help me do X not always like that right it's sometimes just having a conversation with somebody that can help explore what your options are and allow you to be more informed in whatever choice that you decide to make and Absolutely. so sometimes having those conversations right with the interns allows them to see the law in a, in a different place right in a different way that they than they did originally when they started the internship yeah
0: that's so smart i love it thanks so do you have any nicknames for the people that work at Justice Connection? Are you guys like gladiators or anything fun like that? <laughs> um,
1: uh, well, I do consider right like that I am building a modern day Justice League. OK. Sitting today, right? You know the Justice League? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just say Justice Connection family. But that's okay. not very fun, I guess. I'll have it to works. think about this. You're giving me something to work on. <laughs>
0: So Keisha, did you have anything else you wanted to share with the audience about law school, the importance of it, being a lawyer, anything like that?
1: You know, I think that oftentimes I find folks want to be lawyers almost because sometimes I don't know if you see this, like they don't know what else to do, right? It's sort of like a default. I'll just go to law school. I always tell people, if you don't want to like go in the courtroom or practice the law, like twice about going to law school I really do because sometimes you don't need a law degree to do what it is that you want to do yeah and I just know folks who ended up not sort of using their degree I think you always inherently use your degree because okay. we now are trained to think right in a very different way that I think comes into play Quite frankly, more than probably the our friends and family wish it did, but <laughs> right, but I think you know outside of that, like you know really think about why you're going to law school you know what, what are you what are you doing it for? who are you doing it for because mm-hmm. it's a big commitment, you know law school is definitely the hardest thing academically I've ever done, taking the bar is like the hardest thing ever yeah. um I don't know how these people out here have multiple bars more power to them I took it <laughs> once and I'm like I'll never move again
0: <laughs> yeah and um, please people stop going to law school because you saw it on tv or a movie it is so yeah, it's nothing not the like same that. way you see it it's romanticized mm-hmm. so much yeah
1: totally it because really if you is don't like writing
0: Law school is not for you and they really don't mention that, but it is writing for hours and weeks and years. It's, it's always writing, it, always. Yeah. So. It is
1: a lot of writing. And even if you're not a good speaker, there's a lot of folks who can get, you can get around that, but I agree, the writing aspect of it, that part, you, it is really hard to get, you can't get around that part. mm at all. Mm-hmm.
0: No. Nope. Well, thank you so much, Keisha. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to your audience, and I would just love for folks to go check us out on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. We're at Justice Connection. We want to you know be there for the community as well. So if you have an organization that could use somebody to come and talk about the importance and the value of legal counsel, I definitely am always open to come and share the gospel, right? And happy to do so. So I thank you for this opportunity.
0: Thank you. You have a good evening.
1: You too. Take care.
0: Uh huh. Bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.